Hi everyone, welcome back uh, to the Logical Bible Study Podcast, where we take a look at the Gospel reading from today's Mass, and we do an exegesis of the passage. Today we're looking at a very famous passage, which is the Prodigal Son. So let's jump into the text. It's from Luke chapter 15, and today we're looking at verse 1 to 3, and then 11 to 32. The tax collectors and the sinners were all seeking the company of Jesus to hear what he had to say, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained. This man, they said, welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he, sp- so he spoke this parable to them. A man had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, let me have the share of the estate that would come to me. So the father divided the property between them. A few days later, the younger son got everything he had and left for a distant country where he squandered his money on a life of debauchery. When he had spent it all, the country experienced a severe famine, and now he began to feel the pinch. So he hired himself out to one of the local inhabitants, who put him on his farm to feed the pigs. And he would willingly have filled his belly with the husks the pigs were eating, but no one offered him anything. Then he came to his senses and said, How many of my father's paid servants have more food than they want, and here am I dying of hunger? I will leave this place and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one of your paid servants. So he left that place and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, And moved with pity, he ran to the boy, clasped him in his arms, and kissed him tenderly. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the calf we have been fattening and kill it. We are going to have a feast, a celebration. Because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the elder son was out in the fields, and on his way back, as he drew near the house, he could hear music and dancing. Calling one of the servants, he asked what it was all about. Your brother has come, replied the servant, and your father has killed the calf we had fattened because he has got him back safe and sound. He was angry then and refused to go in, and his father came out to plead with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have slaved for you, and never once disobeyed your orders. Yet you never offered me so much as a kid for me to celebrate with my friends. But for this son of yours, when he comes back after swallowing up your property, he and his women, you kill the calf we have been fattening. The father said, My son, you are with me always, and all I have is yours. But it was only right we should celebrate and rejoice, because your brother here was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. So, starting at verse 1 here, um, In today's lectionary, we read from verse 1 to 3, which gives us quite a good context, and then it skips over a bit, and then it starts the parable. So, verse 1, 
we learn that tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus. So tax collectors were considered to be some of the worst sinners in that culture because they worked worked for the Romans. So faithful Jews considered tax collectors to be sinners. But they're seeking the company of Jesus to hear what he had to say. So Jesus' message really is bringing people to repentance. The sinners are genuinely interested in what Jesus is saying and they're coming to him. Verse 2, the Pharisees and the scribes complained. So the experts in the law, the leaders of the Jewish people. Why are they complaining? Well, one of their core beliefs was that holy people should not mix with unrighteous people. And so here Jesus is eating with them which is a sign of friendship in that culture. And basically, if you ate with people, you accepted them. So Jesus here is going around claiming to be God's messenger, but here he is accepting sinners, and they just can't understand why uh, why God would allow him to do that. So they're not happy about it. So Jesus tells them a parable. And as you probably know, a parable is a story with a meaning that tells us something about the kingdom of God. It's supposed to make an aspect of the kingdom of God clearer, but also obscure it from people who are not interested. So Jesus tells these parables in a way that only those who are genuinely thinking about it and asking God for enlightenment will understand the parable. Now, usually there's a straightforward meaning with parables, and I think there is with this one as well. So Jesus now goes, well, uh, if you read Luke chapter 15, at this point, Jesus would go on to tell the parable of the lost sheep, and then the parable of the lost coin. And both of those parables are about God rejoicing when a sinner repents. And uh, they're commented on elsewhere in the lectionary. They appear uh, later in ordinary time. And so this parable we're about to read, the parable of the prodigal son, is basically the same meaning as the first two parables, which is that Jesus is teaching how much God wants sinners to repent and how much he rejoices when sinners repent. Now, on the whole, the parable of the prodigal son is actually understood quite well, I think. Most people who, if you say name one parable, they can name the prodigal son. And most people have been taught it quite well. People seem to get the idea of this parable. And that's because it teaches us uh, something about God that we'd like to hear, which is that he's merciful. So it's uh, one of many people's favorite parables. And so here's a nutshell summary of the parable. And most people understand this which is in the parable, the father represents God who welcomes home his wayward son with open arms. The son who kind of represents a sinner has lived a life of sin and he's used the gifts his father has given him quite poorly. And he thinks he's not going to be accepted if he comes back to the father, but the father celebrates when he returns. So the parable is designed to teach the Pharisees in particular that God is merciful and that he wants sinners to repent Remember, they're complaining about why is Jesus eating with sinners? And Jesus is saying, the reason I'm welcoming sinners is because God welcomes sinners. He rejoices when a sinner repents. And in fact, Jesus goes further in this parable. He implies that you should celebrate too when a sinner repents. So all I want to do in this um, exegesis is comment on some things that perhaps are overlooked because I think the main points are fairly well understood So in verse 12, the younger brother says to his father, let me have the share of the estate that would come to me. So this would be quite shocking to Jesus' hearers of this parable, because in that culture, a son, you're not supposed to ask for your inheritance. You wait until your father dies, or at least until the father offers to give it to you. 
But here, this younger son comes up and says, give it to me now. And that scene is highly disrespectful to the father. So already we see that the son has quite a selfish attitude. Now, in that culture, the father doesn't have to agree. He doesn't have to give the son the inheritance. He's not obligated to do anything. But I think the teaching here is that uh, the father respects the younger son's free decision, which, of course, is the way God feels about us. He's not going to force us to stay if we don't want to. And how much would the son have gotten? Probably it appears about a third of the property would have come to him. And the other two thirds go to the older brother. So verse 13, the son goes away from the father's house into another area. Now that might represent leaving God's kingdom and protection and going into Satan's kingdom because he actually leaves that land and goes to another land. So there might be a reference there to the kingdom of Satan. And eventually he spends all the money and there's a famine, so he hires himself to someone else. That might be a reference to being in bondage to Satan, hiring ourselves out to Satan, perhaps. Some people see here a reference to the story of Joseph because if, in the Old Testament, um, because he goes to a foreign land and then there's a famine and so they have to move lands. And then in the end of that story, Joseph is welcomed back and he gets a ring put on his finger and he's treated as royalty. So some people think that Jesus is kind of modeling the parable sort of based on the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. And so he's, he's working for someone else, the younger son, and he's sent into the fields to feed swine. And now that's incredibly shameful for a Jew uh, because Jews consider swine to be some of the most unclean animals. Jews stayed away from swine. And here is the son basically living with the pigs, eating the pigs' food. So this is showing us just how miserable and how desperate he is. So verse 18, he comes to his senses and says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. So this is his moment of repentance. It's quite phenomenal. Um, Notice this teaches us that part of repentance has to come from the person themselves. They have to kind of wake up and choose to come back to the Father. So this is his moment of repentance. And he says, well, he says this to himself, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he plans to go back to his father and say, Father, I'm sorry, just treat me as one of your servants. He knows that he doesn't deserve sonship anymore. But he just wants to be part of the father's house in some form. Obviously, he's incredibly surprised later by the response of his father, which is to restore sonship to him again. Verse 20, he comes home. The father runs to the boy, clasped him in his arms and kissed him tenderly. And this is a beautiful image of the fatherly love of God. Now, in that culture, as you've probably heard, uh, running for an older man was not really the done thing. It was seen as beneath the dignity of an old man. According to Sirach, chapter 19, verse 30, old men should not really run. But here, this is showing just how much God loves us and is excited when a sinner returns home. So the father tells his servants, and you could say the servants represent angels, kind of, bring the best robe and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. So all of these things are treating the younger son as royalty, which he doesn't deserve. This is all God's mercy and grace being extended. Because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and he's found. So when the son chose to leave the father's house, it was though they were dead to each other, basically. And this is an incredible image of the spiritual regeneration we have when a sinner returns to God's kingdom. 
And Paul uses very similar language in Ephesians chapter 2. So Paul says, You were dead in your transgressions and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. So when a sinner comes back to God, it literally is like a resurrection, a regeneration. At this point in the parable, we're introduced to the brother. Now, I think he's often uh, portrayed the wrong way in the parable. He's often portrayed as a bad guy. And I don't think he necessarily is. He certainly puts a dampener on things. He makes the celebrations a bit less joyful. But he's not actually a bad person um, in the parable, as we discover. So, verse 29, this is what the older son says to the father. All these years I've slaved for you and never once disobeyed your orders. So we're dealing here with an obedient servant of God here, an obedient servant of God who has followed God's commandments. Interestingly, though, he sees himself more as a servant than a son. So I think this um, this older brother represents a faithful Jew who's, who's done his best to follow God's commandments. He doesn't fully understand the character of God and doesn't see him as a father, but he's kind of a typical old covenant Jew who's done his best to follow God. That would be my understanding of who the older brother is best represented as. So Jesus here is referring to those who've always obeyed God's commandments. And certainly in the time of Jesus, the kingdom of God is now being opened to sinners. And that's something new. The righteous people who obeyed God were not used to prophets welcoming sinners in quite the same way that Jesus did. So the righteous people, the righteous Jews are struggling with this. So by the way, it's important to emphasize some Christians would say there was no one righteous at the time of Jesus. I think parables like this one and and sayings like Jesus' sayings where he says, I've come not to call the righteous but sinners. There were righteous people at the time of Jesus. It's just that Jesus has come not to focus on them, but to those who are outside God's kingdom. So there were certainly people who were following God's will, even if they didn't know him perfectly because they're under the old covenant. There were righteous people at that time. So Jesus wants to teach the people in his own time, the, the righteous people who are desiring to follow God, that the appropriate response for God's righteous people when a sinner repents should be celebration, not suspicion. He wants them to consider the parable that way. He probably wants them to see themselves in the older brother and to think about their attitude. Verse 31, the father says to the older son, My son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. And in the parable, the older brother would inherit two-thirds of his father's property eventually. So, pretty much, it's quite literal that, yeah, he would eventually have all that belongs to the father. So, I think clearly, when the father... The father doesn't deny, he doesn't say, Don't be silly, you haven't always followed my commandments. That's not what the father says. The father says, My son, you are with me always, and all I have is yours. So clearly this is supposed to represent someone who has been following God faithfully. Verse 32, the father goes on now. The father gets the last word. But it was only right that we should celebrate and rejoice because your brother here was dead and has come to life. He was lost and is found. And the word there in Greek is must. We must celebrate. So it's kind of emphasizing the divine logic of grace. Because of who I am as a heavenly Merciful Father, we must celebrate. 
That's the way salvation works, you could say. And this is a truly beautiful image of what happens in heaven when a sinner repents. This applies to all people, to all ages. Whenever a sinner willingly repents, willingly chooses to come back to God, he is welcomed as a son, and there is great celebration in heaven. And as a result, many sinners who've heard this parable have been quite touched and have prompted to come back to God. Now, notice that's the end of the parable. We don't know whether the older son agrees to come back to the celebration or if he chooses to keep being grumpy. So I think Jesus deliberately keeps it open-ended here because he wants his audience to make the decision. Are you going to change your attitude? Are you going to come to the celebration? He's deliberately leaving it open, I think. Now, what's this parable about? I think we've said it a couple of times now. The immediate context is about the Pharisees grumbling about Jesus accepting sinners. And that's what he's trying to teach them about, the the right attitude to have when a sinner repents. But many of the church fathers also interpreted this a little bit broader, where they said the younger brother represents the Gentiles who have been away from God, but in the kingdom of God, they choose to come back to him after the time of Jesus. And the older brother represents the Jews. So many church fathers saw this as a broader depiction of salvation history, where the older brother represents the Jews who have a hard time accepting that other people could be God's people as well. So that's a a possible extension of this. Now, there's lots of catechism references here, many quite beautiful ones about how God treats us when we repent and the love he has for us as his only sons. And there's a few references in the section on reconciliation. Uh, In the Our Father, there's a discussion about um, when it says, forgive us this day, forgive us for our trespasses. It links it to the prodigal son. So I just want to read out two of them, which are really clear and really nice descriptions of the Catholic teaching on the prodigal son. Paragraph 1439, which is in the section on penance, says the process and conversion of repentance was described by Jesus in the parable of the prodigal son, the centre of which is the merciful father. The fascination of illusory freedom, the abandonment of the father's house, the extreme misery in which the son finds himself after squandering his fortune, his deep humiliation at finding himself obliged to feed swine, and still worse, at wanting to feed on the husks the pigs ate, his reflection on all his lost his repentance and decision to declare himself guilty before his father, the journey back, the father's generous welcome, and the father's joy, all these are characteristic of the process of conversion. The beautiful robe, the ring, and the festive banquet are symbols of that new life, pure, worthy, and joyful, of anyone who returns to God and the bosom of his family, which is the church." Only the heart of Christ, who knows the depths of his Father's love, could reveal to us the abyss of his mercy in so simple and beautiful a way. So I don't think we can say it any better than that paragraph does. So that was paragraph 1439. And then paragraph 2795, there's some quite nice language in there as well. That's in the discussion about the line, Who art in heaven from the Our Father. And it says, the symbol of the heavens refers us back to the mystery of the covenant we are living when we pray to our Father. He is in heaven, his dwelling place. The Father's house is our homeland. Sin has exiled us from the land of the covenant, but conversion of heart enables us to return to the Father, to heaven. 
So that's the end of today's podcast. I hope you uh, got a bit of a new take on the prodigal son. Thank you for all those who are listening. I really appreciate it. Please keep telling other people about it and we'll see you again tomorrow.